Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell here and another very special guest all the way from Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the podcast, Sonia Price. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Darren. That's great. We've just uh we've literally just met over um over Zoom for a bit of a uh, a bit of a preamble. And <laughs> I noticed that your Sonia Dynamo Price, uh <laughs> career and leadership coach from Dynamo Careers. So really looking forward to this conversation because this audience, albeit a lot of them are sales leaders, I think there's going to be a lot that people can take away, whether they're an individual contributor or, in fact, a leader and looking at how they can advance their career. So um, really looking forward to this conversation. And as we said, got no idea which direction it's going to go because you saw the list of questions that I had, which was zero. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is how we roll. So it's very organic. Um, so as as we as we begin, love to have a get a bit of a sense of um, your background. So for the listeners, uh, what's the Sonia Price story? <laughs> oh, what's we're starting there, huh? Dynamo <laughs> careers. Now we've only we've only got about an hour, so um, maybe the readers. Oh man, we're going to run out of time so shortly. No. <laughs> um, well, so what led me to become a career and leadership coach? Well, you know, many years ago when I graduated college and I had, I still had no idea what I wanted to do with my career, um, even though I had this, you know, what I thought was a fancy, fancy bachelor's degree at the time, um, realized that it actually had not really prepared me to have a career. And so thankfully I ended up getting a, a great first, first professional job. I started working for a tech startup startup organization. And I was basically like a glorified admin assistant okay. as my very first job. But because it was a startup organization, I had the capabilities to grow my career very quickly. So um, I had a great relationship with the founder. And, you know, pretty much any time that I saw the need for something else, I just, you know, stepped into the role and took on greater and greater responsibilities. And then when we had the resources to hire additional people, I would just say, well, hey, why don't we backfill my old position? Um, and I basically did that like five times while I was still working in that startup organization. So I gained a ton of experience in a very short period of time. And then I used that to, you know, I leveraged that opportunity to move on and work with other organizations. Um, so I ended up going to work for, you know, some large tech companies and, you know, moved into other roles. Um, and because I had learned that as such a young age in my career, I just kind of applied that same methodology to each and every job that I moved into. So I was constantly kind of always like creating my next opportunity and then asking for the title to go along with it. Um, and then I got smarter and started asking for the compensation to go with it as ah, well. I was going to ask um, you about that. Yeah. So I learned a lot about negotiation, a lot about networking, a lot about mentorship and sponsorship, um, you know, and getting the right, getting the right people in my corner so that I was given the right opportunities or I was able to step into the right opportunities 
and then, you know, was able to get the title and compensation to go along with that. Um, I've also just been someone who kind of wants to try my hand at a number of different things. And so I would say pretty much every three to five years, I like reinvented my career and I wanted to do, you know, so I've done a number of different things. I've done product management. I've been in business development. I've been in consulting. I did a number of different things. And basically what happened is over the years, you know, I had about 15 years of work experience in corporate and startup and consulting. And as I was making all those different career jumps, I had friends and family that were coming to me and asking me for support with like, Hey, wait a second, how did you accomplish that in your career? And can you help me do the same thing? And so I started helping people for fun on the side. And, you know, initially it was just like, Oh, I'll help with a resume here. I'll help prepare for an interview there. Oh, you're negotiating an offer. Let me help you know how to approach that. Um, and then I was getting referrals and referrals from referrals. And before I knew it, I was like, well, Hey, I think I might have something here. And I've always just really enjoyed coaching. I love working one-on-one with individuals and really helping them identify what is their true calling? What is their true career passion? Um, or what level of leadership do they want to rise to? And how do they go about like actually accomplishing that? Mm. So as, as you were talking about that, because I know you've been running Dynamo Careers for the last 17 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. I just had this, this vision come into my mind of, of the story of the person that uh, started off making like little marmalades or little jams and pretty much everybody wanted them, and it just got into a massive, massive forecast. <laughs> I suppose that's it's an interesting analogy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it did evolve over time, you know. And then at a certain point in time, I, I had a very successful consulting career working with a consulting firm. And at a certain point in time, I just had to make the decision of like, well, do I want to keep going the leadership route with this consulting firm or... Yeah. Do I want to hang my own shingle, try my yeah, own absolutely. thing? Um, so I did take a big leap of faith at one point in time. And yeah. and uh, I'm really glad that I did. I've actually yeah, awesome. never looked back. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And in terms of the, the Dynamo careers as a business, I know you say you're a career and leadership coach. Where do you mm-hmm. focus most of your time in terms of um, working with people? Because you know, I know you mentioned you love coaching. I'll, I'll delve into that in a little bit of detail as well. Mm-hmm. Are you finding most of your, I guess, your clientele is people getting into a leadership role or getting into a senior leadership role? Um, do you do a lot of individual contributor type work as well? Because I know there's a lot of people yeah. listening to this who are individual contributors, maybe looking sure. to move to a leadership role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I primarily work with mid to senior level uh, professionals. So that yeah. could be any anywhere from an individual contributor, you know, up to the executive level. Um, I do work with a lot of individual contributors are usually more senior level um, individual contributors that are looking to move into management or move Mm -hmm. into, you know, more of like, have a highly expert type of role. Um, And so, yes, I definitely do help lots of people transition into higher level roles or, um, or roles that are just a much, much better fit for them that gives them, you know, maybe they'd actually don't even want to be a people manager, but they want to be in a role where they have, um, you know, more strategic input and more influence on the direction of the product or service offering that they work with. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And you mentioned before you love, you love coaching and it's almost like a bit of a chicken and the egg type of question, but did coaching come first or did coaching come 
as part of the work you were doing with all those referrals where you thought, oh, I'm really enjoying these conversations and I can see these people getting great benefit from it and they're getting results. And then you look back and you think, oh, you know, I've actually been coaching them. Was that then mm. something as a catalyst to, I know because I know, I know you've worked with Tony Robbins, so I'd like to explore that as well. But is that something mm-hmm. that sort of evolved that you then went and got some specific training around coaching? And, and what is it about coaching that you really enjoy? Yeah, um, I think I've always been kind of a natural coach, you know, even from a very young age, um, just having a genuine interest in people and understanding what makes people tick and learning how to ask the right questions that helps, you know, elicit the truly meaningful and insightful information. Um, Also, I have an aunt who is an executive coach and, you know, and I was like, in college, I got really familiar with what the type of work that she was doing. And I think I kind of like in the back of my mind decided that that's what I would eventually do. But at that point I was so young, I knew nobody would take me seriously. So I went on and got a bunch of work experience and then, you know, it just kind of like naturally evolved on its own. But I think also, you know, being a leader inside of organizations, if you, if you gravitate towards leadership roles, I think having those coaching capabilities is very, very um, extremely important and almost crucial for success, being able to know how to coach your employees um, and your team members on, you know, how, how to help them increase their own performance or help them understand their own career path so that they stay engaged in their job, but they want to, you know, stay on your team and and keep progressing forward. It's a really interesting point because, I'm not sure about your experience in the States, but here in Australia, working with a lot of organizations and a lot of leaders, when you when you mention the word coaching, a lot of them have a completely different interpretation to how we would consider what coaching is. And it's very mm. directional. And when you when I talk to some leaders and they say, how much time do you spend coaching? They say, oh, I spend lots of time coaching. But when you actually look at it, what they do is they spend time directing and they think I'm, I'm a great coach because I'm telling my team what to do. Mm-hmm. It's it, as, as you say, it's a crucial skill set that, that all leaders have to develop because when we realize that leadership is actually not about ourselves, it's about extracting and maximizing the potential of our team. We need to be great coaches. And sometimes we need to actually create space for them to make those mistakes, but have the support knowing them, knowing that we've, we're supporting them but they, they need to make those mistakes. And and I don't think a lot, great gross generalization, I know, a lot of executives in particular don't necessarily have the nest, the skill set to coach. Yeah. Which is why yeah. people like you exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's actually a newer skill set in organizational leadership as well. Yeah. You know, and you could debate what does a new mean. Um, but I mean, the coaching industry into itself has been rapidly growing for, you know, the last, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years. But I think, you know, when did it really enter the vernacular of organizational life? I don't know, maybe in the last 10 years or so. I don't, I don't know. Um, But I think, um, you know, there's definitely a movement happening in the leadership space right now. And there's kind of this like old world leadership style of like, I mean, at least here in the US, there's kind of this like, Jack Welch style of leadership. And I think that Let's cut the bottom know, 10%. Went, yeah. <laughs> people who went through that school of leadership are kind of now retiring and exiting the workforce. And I think there's a much more um I mean, I want to say 
as is going to, I don't want it to sound judgmental, but a much more like conscious leadership style that is now, you know, coming, coming to life more and more and more in organizational life. And I think a lot of that includes coaching and mentoring and a lot of the things that you're talking about of, you know, giving people space to try some things out and to make mistakes and learn Mm -hmm. and grow and, um, you know, doing it in a cultivating type of way where people actually can learn and grow and that they're not, um, you know, made wrong or made shameful for, Mm -hmm. um, you know, making, making mistakes, which Brene Brown talks a lot about that. I don't know if you ever follow her, but she's phenomenal. She is lots of, um, Mm -hmm. lots of great content, lots of great videos. And I often share content around her vulnerability Mm -hmm. concepts as well, but it was interesting. You mentioned that because I I reflect on what's happening in Australia and, and inclusion and diversity is getting more and more, I'm not sure the word's mainstream, but there's more and more organizations that are now more open to bringing in diverse people from different backgrounds, experiences, which only enhances the importance of good leaders knowing how to coach because Mm. they then need to be adaptable based on how do we get these people from these different backgrounds, from these different perspectives and different experiences and get them to work together in a cohesive way that builds an engaging culture. So mm-hmm. the role of a leader today versus maybe the role of the leader 10, 15 years ago is fundamentally changing and it will continue to change. So it's um it's a skill set I think we all we all have to take on board. Um really curious as well. I, I know you we touched on Tony Robbins before the before the call. How do you end up working with uh with the big man? <laughs> well, I went to a number of his trainings um and met him and got connected with him and um, was able to have a few sessions with him and, uh, yeah, like learned a ton from him. If you've ever seen him or you've ever engaged with him, he just has this way of like zoning in immediately on, Hey, this is your thing. Like, this is the thing that you need to overcome. Um, what are you doing about it and how can you, how can you, you know, move beyond this? Um, so that's that's my stint of working with Tony Robbins. As you know, he's huge and he works with tons and tons of people. Yeah. Um, but great guy and life changing, incredibly life changing working with him. And how did how did that impact what you do now? Because um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there around Tony, lots of content. And I, I for one think he's a phenomenal phenomenal mm-hmm. coach, phenomenal example of what we're trying to do in in terms of excellence. Um, what what did you take from him that's now enabled you to really fast track your your I guess leadership and and career coaching? Yeah, one of the things that I'm so impressed by with Tony Robbins is his um, his ability to just call it like it is, um, and he does it in a very kind and compassionate way. Mm-hmm. But he also really holds your feet to the fire, um, and so I think working with him really gave me the permission and the confidence to do that with my own clients as well, because I think, you know, at times I'm a little bit um, gun shy to call people on their stuff. Um, But, you know, knowing how to do that with skill and, you know, really just being able to see what's going on and say, Hey, you know um, you know, I've heard you mention this thing three times now, like, what are you doing about that? Mm. Um, Or, you know, I mean, and Tony talks a lot about state changes and whatnot, right? So if you can, if I can learn to assess people in what is their mental state and what are they doing to, if they're in a funk, how can they get themselves out of that funk? Yeah. Um, 
I've also done additional training. I got certified in neuro-linguistic programming. So sometimes, and I know Tony does a lot of NLP. Um, sometimes I'll actually do, you know, NLP in a session with a client as well, just to help them like get out of where they're at right now. Like if they're not believing in themselves, they're not believing that they're capable of the the true career future that they want to have. It's like, how, how can we move beyond that and get them into a different mental state yeah. where they can actually take action, meaningful action? Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I've done the same same training right through to the NLP trainers training and and mm-hmm. talk about a um, mind blowing experience because you what you thought the world was is not necessarily what the world is. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's, but it's phenomenal, phenomenal. So if you think if we think about because there'll be a lot of people listening to this that. Um, might think they're a great coach, might think, well, I'm in a leadership position and I spend a lot of time coaching. Um, so from your perspective, working with your clients, what are some key key things to think about as a leader to really help us focus on fine-tuning our ability to coach people within our, mm-hmm. within our workplace? And whether that's an operational type person or in this in this context, maybe some salespeople, because what I find is there are a lot of there are a lot of leaders who think they're coaching, but they're actually directing. They're not they're mm-hmm. not giving people space. And as we talked about, you know, having an opportunity to make a mistake and not get criticized for it, but holding the space for the people to learn and develop that level of independence. Um, anything that that you've got top of mind that would like be like the two or three key things yeah. to think about as a as a leader around coaching? Sure. I mean, the first couple of things that come to mind for me is, you know, what should a leader coach their team members about, right? So there's performance, you know, the, the team or project performance, like what are we actually there to do and, and accomplish on behalf of the organization? And yeah. then there's also like that particular team member's career goals and what's in it for them and what would be motivational um, for them to, you know, continue to commit to the overall mission. Um so, and I'm sure there's other things as well, but those are kind of the two top things that come to mind. And so, you know, knowing what you're coaching around can then kind of drive the conversation forward. But I think also as a leader is like understanding who your team members are inherently as a person, what's their style and, you know, how, how can you actually motivate them? Because different people have different motivations. Um, and And so asking a lot of questions and opening people up, eliciting information, getting them talking, um, and even sometimes just asking them, like, you know, how how can I be here for you as your manager? Mm. Like, what are, what are you looking to, you know, where are you looking to grow with your career? How can I help support you? Um, How can I help support you in your career? How can I help support you in achieving and achieving your goals, achieving your sales quotas, achieving, you know, whatever it might be, like, how can I be here for you? And that's actually a very simple question to ask and then zip it and sit back and listen um, to what they actually say. And then making sure that, I mean, if you genuinely want to know, ask the question and then, you know, actually show up in that way or, or be, um, be clear in what you can and cannot do. You know, because yeah. if, if they're asking for a lot, maybe you don't have the time um, or the bandwidth to invest in that, yeah. but saying like, wow, I really appreciate you sharing that information with me. Here's what I can do for you. Mm. 
It's an interesting question because often in my clients, I'll ask them, you know, have you ever asked your team members what motivates them, what keeps them excited, why they come to work every day? But also have you asked the question, how is it that you'd like to be led? Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. a great question because often when they ask that question, there's absolute silence because most people have never been asked that question. They just get brought up Mm -hmm. into an environment and they just follow like the bouncing ball. This is how we always do things because that's how the manager before did it. So it's just a a very much a a surface level transactional type environment. As a leader, it's so important, as you rightly say, understand what makes these people tick, know that people are going to be different and ask them the question in terms of, you know, why, why do you work at this organization? What keeps you coming back? And this is not to pry. This is to help understand that why does this person choose to come to work every single day? Because there will be peaks and troughs. And as a leader, our responsibility is not to push them, but it's to encourage them, particularly when things are not going well, and to remind them, hey, Sonia, just remember, you you said you do this role because of X, Y, Z. Ah, yeah. And it could be a little bit of a, a fill-up for them to change their mm-hmm. motivational levels. Such an important and yet foundational requirement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yes, absolutely. While you were speaking, what came to mind for me is that on the flip side, sometimes the employee or the team member can take on that role as well. So it's like, if you don't have a manager or a leader who is insightful enough to ask you those questions, how would you like to be led? What can I do to support you? Um, you know, sometimes you can actually kind of take the initiative and help lead that conversation to happen. Um, I think we've, we've all heard the terminology of manage your manager. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And so if I could reflect on some examples that I've had in my own career, you know, various different managers that I've had is like when I started the job or when we started to get into the flow of working together, I would ask them, um, you know, hey, we have these weekly one-on-ones. How can we make the best use of our time together? Yeah. And you know, over time, I would learn more about like, okay, well, who is the, you know who is this person as a manager? What's their work style? What do they want? What do they need from me? Um, and how can I show them that I'm a star, a star mm-hmm. performer? And so, you know, I had one manager at one point in time who he wanted me to come to every weekly meeting with like a one pager, just kind of saying like, here's what I've been working on for the last week or whatnot. And um, got really into the habit of doing that. And then sometimes I would, you know, I'd send it to him in advance and he would say, sometimes he would like send me a message and he'd be like, great, appreciate the update. Uh, We don't need to meet this week or whatnot. Right. Um, And that was always fine with me because I knew that he was really busy, but he knew that I was like on top of all my projects. And so did we really need to meet? You know, no, because I didn't need him for anything. But then when I did need him for things, I sent him a one pager and he'd say, okay, we're going to cancel this week's meeting. You know, I would reply back and say, actually, can we still keep the meeting because I need your support with something? Um, And so I kind of like trained him how we were going to do this process. Um, And he really, really, really appreciated it. And when we had performance reviews, you know, he would say, I really appreciate how you do this because I'm so busy all the time. And, um, you know, I don't, I I have complete trust and faith in you that you're, you know, you're always going to take care of everything. And if you need to pull me in, you will. Yeah. Um, So who's leading who? You're leading him. Right, exactly. Right, right. (laughs) And I've had other managers that I've tried to do that same style with. And they were like, you know, please don't send me those, please don't send me those one pagers. I never read it. 
Um, and I'm like, great, I'm not going to spend the time and effort to fill that out. Then like, let's talk about how do we, how do we make the most meaning of our time together? Like how, yeah. how can we work together and how can I, you know, when, when, and how can I call you in when I need to call you in, what's the best way to, um, bring you in. So, yeah. you know, you can, um, I think, I think that coaching conversation can happen from both sides. It's just a matter of how you approach it and making sure that that both people are kind of getting what they need out of the, the relationship. And it's a great point because it's all about um, flexibility and being mm-hmm. able to adapt based on what the needs are of the individual at that particular time. Because as you were talking, I'm thinking, yeah, there's so many sessions that I've had as a, as a leader, but also as an individual contributor where there might've been a one-on-one or there might've been like a sales meeting or team meeting, but there was no preparation. There was no agenda. So you're literally getting mm-hmm. in there thinking, okay, so what, you're twiddling your thumbs thinking, what are we going to talk about? And you end up talking mm-hmm. about some sort of surface level. And in the sales game in particular, it always tends to go to where are we in terms of the numbers? What's happening in terms of the prospecting? What's happening to your conversion rates? It, it wasn't about career development. And uh-huh. if you think about the, the key responsibility of a leader, it's always to extract maximum potential and create an environment where that person can develop and challenge them to get better, which means you've got to have mm-hmm. high quality conversations. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. absolutely important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if I may add on to that, um, you know, career development, I think oftentimes we look to our manager and our leadership team to help advance and grow our careers, no matter where you fall, whether you're an ind- individual contributor, manager, director, level or above, right? Where I think we always think that whoever is above us, that they're looking out for our best interests and that, oh, I'm just looking for that perfect opportunity to promote Darren, uh-huh. you know, or gosh. <laughs> that's what we want. That's what we want. Um, but as a career coach, you know, I've worked with my clients and, um, you know, I post a lot of content about this, but it's like our career advancement is really, you know, that responsibility falls on our individual shoulders. And if you have a manager who is not looking out for you in that way, and there's a number of managers who don't because they just don't have the time, they don't have the bandwidth, right? So if they're not doing that for you, how can you orchestrate the situation so that they are doing that for you? And it's not that you're demanding it out of them, but you bring up the conversations, you facilitate it. And if that means that you need to set up specific meetings to discuss your career growth and development, then you do that <clears throat> because that is, that's the topic for that meeting. And then, you know, you both know when you show up for that meeting, this isn't just the average weekly one-on-one that we're going to shoot the breeze and talk about numbers or whatnot, right? It's like, no, we're here to discuss my career growth and development. So let's get to work. <laughs> the, the bubbles burst now because I, I'm thinking back and and and, I, and this is a great thing. I was delusional because I thought back in the day that I had uh, managers, head of people and culture, which was back then called HR, they're all sitting in a little room and they're looking at the matrix, the high potential matrix in terms of performance and high potential. And they're saying, yep, that person can be a the next level manager. None of it was happening. It was a figment of my imagination. Mm. So we've um, got to take control of, of that. And to that point, thinking about career progression, because there'll be a lot of people thinking about, okay, I've been in this particular role for a while. What's my next logical step? Now, if you look at most most 
organizations logically the next step is the next is the manager right but if i if i have my manager who's been there for forever and a day maybe he's a dinosaur chances are i'm not going to get that particular position so as a career coach what are some things that we can get people to start thinking about in terms of career development and advancement and things mm-hmm. like do i have to look outside the square where do you start because my experience, I've done a little bit of mentoring when I was still in corporate where people asking what's the next logical step and they started just looking at what are the advertisements out there in the marketplace. Now, I said that's mm-hmm. the wrong way to go about it. You've got to start thinking about what the components are of the ideal role and then maybe look at what the opportunities are in the people. But from a career coach's perspective, what are some things that you sit down with your clients on who looking to for career progression that they need to be mm-hmm. really conscious of and start and start working towards being a bit more proactive. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think developing your own personal career roadmap. So having a good understanding of where are you right now and what are you capable of based on your current skills and qualifications um, and where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And maybe you know where you want to go. Maybe you don't know where you want to go, but looking at, short, medium, and long-term career goals, because the reality is like life is short. Our careers are even shorter. Yeah. So, you know, you're only going to have, hopefully, hopefully you only have a certain amount of time in your working years, right? If you plan correctly, you you would hopefully only have a certain amount of um, years in your working career. So if you have an idea of like, if you are leadership bound, like how high up the ladder do you want to climb? And by what point in your career would you want to be there? And then kind of developing a backwards plan in terms of, okay, well, then what kinds of titles or positions do I need to hold and what skills and capabilities do I need to have? Yeah. And really, you know, educating yourself on what levels hold different skill sets and where and how can you start to develop that acumen, right? So at a certain level, you start to manage budgets. How do you, how do you get the financial acumen? Um, you know, and if you don't have that experience already, then how do you start to get involved in the conversations where those those things are happening um, or more strategic level projects? If you're you know, defining roadmaps or product vision or service offerings or, you know, you're defining the strategic vision for where the team or department is going, like how can you get involved in those conversations so you can start to develop the experience and and have some sort of meaningful contribution? Like even if you're not in the decision maker role, how do you start to create those opportunities so you can develop the skill set. Um, so that's like one thing is just de- like understanding where you want to go and what skill set that you need to have to qualify. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is looking at what are the available opportunities. So is there feasible opportunities in your current organization? You know, and that might that might be available on your current team. You might have to go to another team inside the organization to gain to get that to get that experience. Um, or you might need to go to a new organization. It might be time to look around. Um, I usually recommend that people change jobs every three to five years. And the reason for that is that you will be able to progress your leadership levels significantly faster. Um, company loyalty, unfortunately just doesn't pay off like we wish that it would. And so, you know, if you're changing organizations, you usually, you can have the capability to level up Um, And even if you don't get the exact title that you're looking for, you can focus on 
um, the type of position that will give you the opportunities to grow and expand your career um, or, you know, have some new responsibilities that maybe you didn't have before. That's a little bit of a stretch role for you, but it's not so far-fetched that you can't, you know, you're, you're in above, in above your head. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Um, very similar to what I was thinking as well. Okay. <laughs> and, well, what would you add? Anything you would add to that? Uh, one of the things that I always used to, and this came from my, from my own coaching, I guess, experience was getting people to think a little bit internally first. And then rather than looking at the external in terms of, I know we have to see what available opportunities there might be in terms of the organization and what the potential might be if we want to stay there. Mm-hmm. But taking taking a step back and really thinking about, well, if I could create for me my ideal looking role, what are the elements to that role that for me would make that a perfect role? Now, mm-hmm. not thinking about the title, not thinking about how many people I had reporting to me or all the organization, but, but thinking about on an average day, what would I get to do in my perfect role, right? And start, start, start thinking about that. There might be some things you're already doing today in your existing role that you want to keep doing, but there might be some things that you've never really got the opportunity to do that if you did, that would help you become uh, a person who could then demonstrate the ideal role. So mm-hmm. almost working it backwards, because what I what I share is that, and it comes back to all the NLP stuff, right, is what you project is what you perceive and all that sort of stuff. That if you mm-hmm. start thinking about this is my ideal role, what will start to happen is little themes will start to pop up and little little things will start to happen where you'll be placed in an environment where you'll just happen to come across a person who might just be a connector for that next particular role. That if yeah. you didn't do that work, you may never have had that opportunity because you didn't recognize it because it wasn't top of mind. And so yeah. because what a lot of people do, and certainly in Australia, and even in 2023, they do this, they're just either finishing up in a role or they're not happy in their existing role. So their immediate response is, let me look outside to see what's available out there in the marketplace that might be a fit for my current capabilities. Mm-hmm. Versus, because sometimes what will happen is the grass is not going to be greener on the other side of the fence. So they might think, well, I'm going to go from this organization to that organization. I'll get a better title. I might get a little bit more money, but the fundamentals of the role haven't really changed. So I'm really just going to the same type of role. It's a lateral but, lateral move, different organization. Yes. So yeah. instead of doing that, how about you start getting a little bit more strategic about it? Think about what the elements or the components of the ideal role is and then start to see what might be available because it then becomes mm-hmm. like a filtering process. And you can mm-hmm. now be a little bit more selective in terms of the organization you want to go to, what type of leader you want to work for, how many people you want to potentially have in your team and all, all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Then, then makes it, I think a little bit more targeted in terms of your approach. Love, love mm-hmm. your take on that from your experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love the um, the addition of talking about NLP because I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like our mindset really does matter, and you know, you you will likely achieve what you believe yourself to be capable of. So, how far do you want to go? And you know, how quickly do you believe that that can happen? And then how proactive are you about, you know, getting out there? And Mm -hmm. it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to immediately jump to applying for jobs elsewhere. It could just be having some conversations internally and finding the right 
mentors and sponsors who can help open up some doorways for you. Um, The thing that I would add to it is that I think you like, yes, get very, very clear on what are you trying to accomplish and then looking for, well, where are the feasible opportunities for that? Because sometimes, sometimes the opportunities just are not available in your internal organization. Like you said earlier, you know, you have a boss as a dinosaur and he's not going anywhere. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, well, is, are there any leadership opportunities available for me or when and where and how can I get involved more at a strategic level? Or, you know, can I become a team lead where maybe I can mentor some more junior level uh, team members? Or, you know, is there possibility for me to participate in budgeting conversations or take on a component of, you know, managing a budget for a project or, you know, whatever it might be. Sometimes those opportunities are just not going to be there. And if they're not there, then, you know, start looking in other teams or other organizations to find, you know, where, where can that be? Yeah. And maybe it's a matter of tapping your own network to see what pops up there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You mentioned before, company loyalty is sort of um, uh, a thing of the past. I mean, I think there's still elements of company loyalty, but not not seeing a, a tangible opportunity should not be the reason necessarily to stay. And what I often say is sometimes, because you mentioned it before as well, moving every three to five years, you tend to get a better uplift in terms of title and maybe income by moving into the organization rather than staying in, in the existing organization and trying to move up because a lot of companies mm-hmm. say, well, we can't give you more, Sonia, than 10% because that's mm-hmm. the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you go outside and you come back again in three years' time, we'll give you 400%. No problem whatsoever. Exactly, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so not being wedded to that. Um, as you were mentioning all the all the things around, you know, career roadmaps and, and understanding your reality and your destination and developing the skill set, a question came into my mind around qualifications. Now, this is an interesting one because I've had many people in my career say, hey, you go should go and do an MBA or you should go and get some sort of postgraduate degree because this is what's required in, in the modern business world. Love your take on this um, in terms of should people be going out and specifically, I guess, proactively getting higher education? And do you think mm-hmm. there's a direct connection between doing that and getting into the upper echelons of, of leadership positions. What's your take? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Great topic. Um, uh, so I think you really have to think about, you know, if you're in a place in your career, you're listening to this and you're thinking like, should I get an MBA? Which is a very common question that a lot of people think, especially when they get to mid-career and they're thinking about advancing their career. Um I think a couple different things. I think you have to really evaluate, like, will it actually be the thing that will help you propel your career? There may be a few professions where it will. Um, And so I think you have to be really clear on what is it that you're intending to do with that MBA? Like once you have the degree, what kind of roles are you going to go after? And is that going to be the thing that's going to give you an automatic shoe in for that particular role? Um, You know, if you go to a very prestigious um, learning institute, yes, maybe there might be a network there that can help break open some doors for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you still, you know, you still have to be able to show that you have the skills and qualifications to perform at whatever level that you want to get hired in for. So there's a number of different things to evaluate, right? Is like, 
what do you actually want to be doing that you think the MBA would get you there? Um, and then I would actually go look at the job descriptions and say, look to see, does it say MBA required? Mm -hmm. Does it say MBA desired? Um, and then what types of organizations do you want to work for? And do you know if that's something that they filter out candidates for? So I have seen that happen that, you know, if it's a highly sought after role or a very, very competitive organization, then sometimes the organization, if they get 400 applicants for a particular role, um, even though, you know, 75% of those people could be qualified, maybe they're going to say, well, now we have to start to look at how, how do we weed at, you know, how do we whittle yeah. this down to, you know, an actually digestible number of people that we can interview. So they might start to put in different criteria to say, okay, now only show me the MBA graduates, only mm -hmm. show me this, only show me this. Um, but I will say this, I, um, you know, the world of education is changing. Um, there's a number, the Gen Z right now, like many of them don't even care about getting a college degree. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the college, the education requirements are going to uh, be shifting a lot as we continue to move forward, you know, into the, you know, more and more modern workforce um, that I don't know that, that formal education is it may or may not continue to be a requirement like it has been in the past. I think getting a bachelor's degree is definitely still a requirement, but the mm -hmm. advanced degrees um, may be another story. And, you know, Darren and I were chatting really quickly before we started recording here. And uh, just to share a little bit about my own story, like I did get a master's degree um, and I'm really grateful for it because I'm a lifelong learner. And, you know, I thought it was an amazing education. But when I look back, on what I ended up doing with my career post master's degree, I think that I probably still could have accomplished the exact same thing yeah. without spending $80,000 on an advanced degree. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you're in, if you're considering this for yourself, I would just think about what do you, what do you want to accomplish in your career? What's your budget? Um, and, you know, is the school that you would intend to go to is, do they have a network that would actually you know, help you advance your career even further than you would be able to on your own. Yeah. Great answer. And uh, I tend to agree with everything you just said. Because I've, <laughs> I've, I've got colleagues and friends who have done an MBA and they've actually utilized it, utilized it, and mm -hmm. and not just the, I guess, the content and the skill set, the strategic thinking um, that they're mm -hmm. able to develop through that process, but also the network that they developed. And yet I've got others who are still in the same sort of role, but they've got those three letters after their name and they think it's worth more than it actually is because they don't they forget the fact that you might have that qualification, but you still have to take action. You still right. have to meet certain criteria. You still have to be proactive in what you do on a daily basis, right? You need yeah. to, you need to certain, meet certain KPIs and certain targets. Just because you've got a qualification doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, as we talked about before, like the world of education is changing, like a number of things that you would learn that you could learn in an MBA program. Um, you can go learn those same things by, you know, doing a course or a certification. Mm. Um, and oftentimes in my experience, the experience matters way more than the education itself. Oh, absolutely. 
And mm-hmm. often the experience, if you've learned something in the education sector, that experience can add context to that because otherwise without that, mm-hmm. it's just theory, right? I remember when I right. did an engineering yeah. degree many, many years ago. In fact, I did an engineering degree last century. <laughs> That's how old I was. <laughs> but I remember, the, um, I remember a, lot of the, a lot of the lecturers had industry experience, so they came in and taught us based on what was actually happening. But then the mm-hmm. tutors didn't necessarily have the industry experience they'd come straight from university learning all of this stuff and then straight into a teaching capacity as a tutor so they didn't uh-huh. have the, the practical knowledge that if we actually asked a question well how does this concept apply in the real world they couldn't answer the question because they didn't have the experience that could mm-hmm. contextualize the learning so that's, yeah. that's another key thing that i always say, say to people by all means go and get more qualifications but uh-huh. really think hard and fast as to how you can implement that. And even when I do trainings today, at the end of a workshop, I'll ask people, hey, just take one thing away from this. Make sure you take one thing away and just focus on implementing that one thing for the next 14 to 30 days so mm-hmm. you can develop a habit. Because otherwise, you won't do it. Entropy, mental entropy, atrophy, like it is with you know muscle atrophy, you'll, you'll not use it and you'll lose it. So Very true. Keep doing yeah. it. Now, um, as there's one more question I want to ask you as we as we wrap up, and there'll be a lot of people listening to this thinking, well, I'm in this particular role. I might be an individual contributor. I might be a leader, um, and I can see that I'm more capable. How do I ask for, or how do I start thinking about asking for a, an increase in compensation? Right. So at the performance review, and I know you would have done a lot of this work with um, with in your capacity as a career coach. What are some things that we need to start thinking about so that we can um, be prepared to have the conversation uh, mm-hmm. and put some things on the table? Because my experience in, in corporate, there's this massive gap and difference between what some people are getting paid uh, doing the same sort of role. And there's a right. whole host of different reasons for that. Um, but if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not, I don't think I'm being compensated as well as I could be. How do I start mm-hmm. having those conversations and how do I do it respectfully to the point where I give yeah. myself an opportunity? Yeah. Wow. Great question. Um, a little complex because um, we could have a whole coaching conversation on this <laughs> one topic alone. Um, and I could get way on my soapbox about this because I, I I love this. So um absolutely, you know, I think we should all be asking those questions like, am I being paid? what I'm worth, you know, and what I'm worth is what is the market rate? And mm-hmm. do you actually know what the market rate is? So there's a ton of information available online where you can go and do um, salary research. You always want to be looking at, you know, your role with similar organizations, because if you go and you just look at the salary range for your role, like just randomly choosing a project manager, you know, it's like, you're going to see such a wide pay range for a project manager. But if you go and you look at, you know, what is your company pay project managers and what are your competitors pay project managers, you're going to have, you know, much more uh, detailed information. Mm. Um, You can also ask internally, you know, you can ask your manager, what is the salary band for someone at my level? Um, And what skills do I need to demonstrate to be able to move up to the next level? Um, most organizations, especially if they're more mature organizations, meaning they've been around for a while and they, you know, have like, uh, you know, a well-rounded HR department, they're going to have what are called role guides, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there, so there's role guides that will very clearly articulate, you know, what skills and qualifications need to happen at each level inside of the organization. And then there will be corresponding salary bands to go along with different levels and titles. So it's it's okay for you to ask for this information, but I would make sure that you do it in, you know, a be, you know, you don't want to just come out and demand that information. It's probably something that you're going to start to talk about over a period of time. So like earlier in the conversation, we started to to talk about, well, maybe it's time to schedule a very specific meeting to talk about your career growth and evolution evolution. Yeah. And to start to talk with your manager to say, hey, you know, I've been here for X amount of time. Um, I'm starting to look at the, you know, the next step in my career. And I'm wondering, um, you know, what opportunities exist for me here in this organization. Um, you know, I'm thinking about my level and my title and the types of work projects and opportunities that I have. And so I'd just like to have an open and transparent conversation with you about my performance and, you know, what else is available to me Mm. Um, and have some conversations and get the conversation flowing. And then, you know, you can say, you know, I've been at level X, Y, Z for this amount of time. Um, You know, I'd like to understand a little bit more about what is pay range for my particular level? And then what would be the pay range for the next level up? And what skills and qualifications would I need to demonstrate in order to be eligible to get promoted to that level? Mm. Um, So asking these types of questions and getting the answers to that will be really meaningful. Um, And not only that, you'll also be able to kind of get a sense of, you know, how how supportive is your manager of this? Are they going to create opportunities for you to gain the skills and qualifications or are they just kind of like, you know, hey, where you're at right now, that's kind of what's available. So take it or leave it. Um, And so asking these questions, and then what you actually want to do is develop a plan, develop a plan and treat it as if it's its own project. So great. Now that you have the data, now that you have the information, what do you need to do to demonstrate that you have the skills and and capabilities to level up? Um, And that might mean that you need to take on new projects or step into new opportunities. And that might mean that you need to ask for, you know, raise your hand and step in and, you know, ask for those opportunities to be able to get that. Most of the times companies will not give you a raise until you're already demonstrating that you can perform at the higher level. So that's the frustrating thing as an employee is that you're like, but I've been here for five years. You know, it's like you've been here for five years, but you're still in the same and? role that you started in. So, you know, what 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 have you done to like up level your skills in that time yeah. frame? And what can you be doing to continue to evolve and yeah. grow and, you know, showcase your skill set in a way that shows that you're demonstrating it at the level that the company has already determined? Yeah. Um, and if the company does not have those role guides, well, then you need to kind of create your own and treat it like a project and start to talk to your manager to say, okay, you know, I would like to, you know, I'd like to talk about a promotion um, and what that would look like. And, you know, what success metrics do you need to see from me in order to, you know, have that conversation of what that would look like. Mm. Um, And then just keep managing that project over time. And if you need to keep setting up separate meetings to continue to discuss the same topic, you know, over and over again, 
set up once a quarter, you know, have that conversation once a quarter, once a month, or um, depending upon how that fits in with the timeline for the actual official performance review, um, you know, you may want to create a timeline that's, that um, is a complement to that because Sometimes they can do an off-cycle promotion, which means that you would get promoted not during performance review. And sometimes companies will only do it during the performance review timeframe. So if you're closer to performance review, you know, get on, get on track with it and make it happen if you can as quickly as possible. If you're not, if you're not that close to that, then you can start to talk about like, is an off-cycle promotion possible? And if so, you know, what would that look like and what needs to happen? Love it. So in other words, it's like a little mini sales campaign. Do your research, know what your starting point is, knowing what your end goal is, and make sure you are ticking off all the boxes as you go through so that you are prepared. And also yes. all the different consequences as to what might not happen, what might go wrong. Absolutely. And all the objections. Yep. What do you mean you 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 want an extra X number of thousands? What are you what are you thinking about? Now, really great advice, great advice. So, um, great way to finish this podcast. Just um, really curious, Sonia, for people that want to know a little bit more about you, and more importantly, connect with Sonia Dynamo Price, which the which is the best way to get access to you. Is it via LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, how do we do that? Sure thing. Um, I actually have a free gift if I may share that with your listeners. Um, it's a career, a free career assessment. Wow. Um, and it's called, does your work work for you? So if you want to understand more about, you know, does your company culture work for you? Does your leadership level work for you? What, what are some of the other things that you might want to be thinking about in your overall career growth and evolution? Um, come check it out. It's on my website, dynamocareers.com forward slash assessment. Um, and if you Ooh. sign up for that, then you'll be on my mailing list and we can stay in touch moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. So you're welcome to look me up on LinkedIn and we can uh, message there as well. My name is Sonia Price, S-O-N-J-A-P-R-I-C-E. Love it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure that those are in the show notes, Sonia. Been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. I know it's um, nearly dinner time for you in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Just after lunchtime here for me. <laughs> mm. The next day, I can I can tell you that um, the next day does arrive because I'm living it. I'm in the future. So. <laughs> oh, fantastic. It's all good. The sun does rise. <laughs> it does. It will come up tomorrow morning for you. So oh, good. Hey, Sonia, once again, really appreciate you jumping on and um, we might have to do this again. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. This was really fun. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. See you soon. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com And let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.